0: Here uh, is our scripture for today. We're going to be in Romans 12, surprise, surprise, uh, and we'll be in verse 15. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. Hello. Um, I'm a slight bit nervous because I don't do this every week like Lindsay, so I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we invite you into this room. I pray that you would be present and we would feel your spirit and that the veil between heaven and earth would be really, really thin this morning. Um, And Lord, we would know your love for us, your hope for us, and your joy for us. In your name we pray, amen. As Lindsay said, I am going through a weird season, so it's interesting how God works. Um Lindsay invited me to preach a couple months ago and then gave me a list of dates, and it was kind of like throwing a dart at a dartboard and being like, I'll take that one. And then I read the verses, and it was, be happy with those who are happy, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with each other, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. That's the NLT. Or in the CSB, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. This seemed really easy. (laughs) I was like, celebrate with people, weep with people, and don't be too proud to hang out with people. Done. You guys can go to lunch. (laughs) And then, life happened. Um, And like I said, it's really interesting. But do you know what I mean when I say life happens, where it kind of feels like the wheels have come off? Um, a few years ago, my family loves to go to Topsail Island, it's like one of our favorite places that we've gone over the years, and we go with the whole family. The whole family means about 14 people, and it's chaos and wonderful and lots of laughing and joy, and every now and then a little argument, some of those are epic, you can ask me about them later, but for the most part, just, it is a week of um, family and sweetness, um, Also, I have three teenage boys, of which you have seen around here, and they love to ride the waves. Now on the Gulf side, it's kind of lame. Like you could get out your float and you could spend all day just kind of going like this, but on the Atlantic side, which where Topsail is, it's pretty awesome actually. Like you can go out and get pummeled by the waves all day long and come out and be like, that was the best day ever. Um, So about three or four years ago, it was, the weather was a little questionable and Topsail isn't a public beach, so you don't get the benefit of like the little red flag or the double reds or, you know, the guy like, I know if I should get in or not. And so I can remember the, the boys were like, we're going. And I was like, Kurt, you might wanna go with them and I'll take pictures because the wise side of me said, do not get in that water. And so we go down to the beach and they get about halfway in. And they're like, mom, come on. Something you need to know about me. I struggle with peer pressure but not really peer pressure, children pressure. And so I'm going to do dumb things if it's adventurous and if they ask me. So I have like jumped off cliffs and I'm going, what am I doing? Here we go. And then, I mean, there's been a lot of situations that I've wished I could say no. And so as I'm standing there on the beach, I'm like, I mean, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna say no? No, I'm going. So I set down my camera or my phone and I get about halfway in. I'm like, that first thought was the better one. This is no good. And I could feel the undertow kind of pulling at my feet. And Tate, who's like 6'3 now, was like not 6'3. And so I remember looking at him and going, he's going to go under. I'm going to go under. Let's go back in. So I look at Tate and I'm kind of like, let's go. And I leave Kurt with David and Colin. I figure they can hold their own. Um, and all of a sudden, I see Tate. He's just motoring back in. He's almost like, knee-high, and I'm not going anywhere. Like, I can see the shore, and I'm like swimming, and I'm swimming, and I'm trying all the things, and I feel like the shore is exactly the same distance from when I started. And and all of a sudden, I started thinking of all the stories you've heard, like of the undertow, people swept out to sea, and I'm like, this is it. I'm going under. I'm going under. And so, I started to panic, and I kind of hit the point where the waves start breaking over you. And so, like, I could touch the sand, but as soon as the wave came in, it would lift me up, and then I couldn't feel anything, and then it would crash, and so I, I was in this cycle of being, like, able to breathe for a couple seconds, and then another wave would crash on me, and so I remember looking at Kurt with this like, save me, and so he, of course, having no trouble swimming, swims on over, <laughs> and... And I literally can feel like the sand under my feet, and then it's gone, and sand under my feet, and then it's gone. And so he just gave me one big shove into the wave, and I kind of did the tumble. I had the hair in my face, and the sand in my nose, and the salt water, and all the things. Um, but when I came up, I was on solid ground. And so I could feel the sand. Now, this is where you're gonna know me a little bit better after I tell this. I'm dramatic. So at this point, of course, I can't just walk out of the ocean. Like, think the movie Castaway. I, I'm like, <laughs> and like, I get on the side of the room, like, coughing and sputtering, like, I would almost died. And my kids and Kurt were very kind for about 30 seconds. They were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I think I'm okay. They're like, I mean, if only you could swim better. And I was like, so very quickly, it became just a funny story. Like, mom can't swim. And, but to me, it kind of stuck with me. That year, there was a lot of really hard things going on. Um, and over time, I feel like I keep being in this image of what it's like to be trying to get your feet on solid ground and then the waves just keep coming. Um, because I think as we walk through that, uh, some of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. The waves keep coming. And if you're not in that place right now, that's wonderful. Tuck this sermon in your pocket for another time. Um, But if you've been there or are there, I think today might be for you. Um, Because in the last month, it's felt like the waves have just kept coming. And then I read the verses I was going to preach on. Let me say it again to you. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Um, Because I think being Jesus' people we're being asked to celebrate. It's beautiful. Um, We can celebrate weddings and birthday parties and newborn babies, and that's really where I want to be. A month ago, I got to be part of a wedding that was so sweet, and it was two people that loved the Lord and loved each other, and so in the moment with their friends and their family, it felt like this veil that separates heaven and earth was really thin, and it's like, I can, I can feel where God's moving. I can see where he's moving. This is where I want to be. I want to, like, make a house and live here. Um, and that is not that different from what we see in an encounter with Jesus in the Bible. Um, in three of the four Gospels, they call it the Transfiguration, but basically it's this. Jesus invites his three friends, James, Peter, and John, up to a mountaintop. And then in some weird encounter... The veil between heaven and earth gets so thin they can see through it. And there is Moses and Elijah, and Jesus looks different. And in that moment, I think they have a taste. This is what it looks like. This is as close as we're going to get to heaven and to what it's going to be one day. And I love Peter's response because it's mine. He's like, let's build a house and maybe a little pool out back, but let's stay here forever. I never want to leave. And in this verse, when it's rejoice with those who rejoice, it's like, yeah, I never want to leave that. But Jesus looks at him, he's like, we got to go back. We got to go back down into the valley because there's things to be done and people to know and places to walk. And so they have to leave, and in this verse, kind of so do we, Um, because I think when Paul asks us, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice. He kept the weep with those who weep second. um, Last month on July 5th, my dad, who is actually here, which I'm thrilled, he's one of my heroes, uh, fell. And um, he has Parkinson's. And so we go to the hospital and then that led to a two-week hospital stay for my family and me and my dad. and, And it was a really hard place to be. But I saw a lot of his friends show up friends who love the Lord and who love him, because I think that's what it looks like to be Jesus people. Um, They showed up, and they were there, and it was long and boring and scary, but they were there. And I remember this one conversation between my dad and one of his friends, and I'll never forget it. I was just a spectator. Um, But he looked at his friend, and he said, I need you to know what it means to us that you show up. When the sickness comes, a lot of people disappear, but you've continued to show up. Um, I think it, being Jesus' people, is to attend the party. I love our Easter celebration. But I think it's more than that. I think it's to show up in the hospital. It's showing up at the funeral. It's walking through the hard places. Um, It's sitting with people and their doubts and their questions when God feels really, really far away. In John, we see Jesus model this. Um, He had deep friendships throughout, throughout the Gospels. He had his 12 disciples. He had the women that traveled with him. He was constantly building relationships. Uh, But one of the families he was closest to was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And if you've heard this story, I'm gonna invite you to kind of lean in and hear it new today because I think it's where we get to see um, Jesus' heart for us and his desire for what we'll do for each other. Um, Lazarus fell ill, and Mary and Martha had been witness to tons of Jesus' workings. Like they had seen or heard of him healing, casting out demons. Basically his entire ministry, he showed up in places and he put things back to the way they were created to be. He restored value. He um, brought people back to health. So they knew he loves us. We love him and he can do this. Um, And I think that like that resonates with me. I know the Lord loves me. I know that he can do this. Um, And so they send for him. And they send a messenger, and then they sit and they wait. And they wait as their as their brother gets sicker and sicker. And in verse four of John eleven it says, But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, I love that it says that. Although he loved them, he stayed there for what was the next two days two days, two days of decline, two days of silence, two days of waiting and wondering if the message ever got to him. Because there would have been travel time, there would have been the two days, and then they had to wait for him to come. It's a really long time to wonder and to see the loved one get sicker and sicker until he finally closed his eyes. And you just wonder what happened. And I think that many of us in this room have sat in that place and so, finally, he says to his disciples, finally. I feel like there's so much in that. I wonder if Jesus was waiting and waiting, and finally he got to return to the ones he loved. He said, let's go back to Judea. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary and their loss. When Martha got the word Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. I feel like they're having this like, theological answer to her pain. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's coming to the world from God. I love this. Then she returns to Mary. Um, Quickly, at the very beginning of this chapter, Mary is the one that uh, washed Jesus' feet with her tears. So tender-hearted, Mary. And she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Whew, do y'all feel that? If you'd only been here, I thought you would come. All the things that are in that tender-hearted Mary, on her knees, at his feet, weeping. And Jesus ends up having two responses. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see, and then Jesus wept. I want to pause here. Um, When I was reading this a few years ago, it hit me a deep anger, And I was like, what is Jesus mad at? I think it's important because that's his first response is a deep anger wells up in him. And some theologians have said it could be he was angry at the mourners or he's angry at all these different things. But a majority of them agree that what he was angry at was he saw the one he loved. He knew what she was made for. And he knew that the enemy and sin and the brokenness of this world was crushing her and crushing us. Because Jesus was present when we were created. In Genesis 1 through 3, he knew exactly what you and I were made for. We were made for perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with each other, and perfect relationship with this environment and with our our world. And death was not supposed to be a part of it. We weren't created to let go. We weren't created to walk away. There's something in us that is created for eternity. And so when he knows that and he can see the picture of what we're made for and then he sees the brokenness in this world and he sees Mary at his feet weeping, he is angry, not at her and not at the people around, but at sin and at death and at all of the things that steal, kill, and destroy. And so in his anger, feel comfort. All I know is I love that I have a God that when he sees me struggling, he's like, oh, this is not how it's supposed to be. Because it is not how it's supposed to be. Um, and then the second thing he does is he weeps. Uh, there's a, I found a theologian named Timothy George, and I love this quote. He said, as used in this setting, which is to weep means more than to shed a few tears. It means something like he burst out crying. Or as Dale Bruner has put it, Jesus bawled. The tears of Jesus in verse 35 show his deep identification with those who are grief-stricken. It reveals the breaking of his heart for others whose own hearts are broken. Here, Jesus weeps with those who weep. Sounds real familiar. Um, he weeps with us when we weep. We don't have to suck it up. You don't have to find out, like, have some platitude. He literally will sit with you in it. Um, But I want to make sure we understand he's not weeping because it's hopeless. Uh, Because I think sometimes our our sadness and our mourning comes from feeling hopeless and his isn't. Because he already knew what he was going to do. There was never a moment Um, when he was holding Mary or when he was weeping or angry that he didn't know how this was going to end. He had already told Martha on the resurrection and the life. He knew what he was going to do in this situation. He knew he was going to bring life out of dead places. And so it had nothing to do with hopelessness and everything to do with loving us and empathizing and being human and God at the same time. Because what he does next is I'm assuming he helps her up And then they walked the long walk to the tomb. And I have no idea what was said then. I kind of wish the Bible gave us more detail. But when I use my imagination, it goes a lot of different ways. Um, Maybe it was totally silent because sometimes words are done. Um, Maybe she had questions. Or maybe the people around were like, does he just want to go, like, honor Lazarus? Like, what's happening? But I think there was probably confusion um, and sadness but mostly probably silence. And then it says, Jesus was still angry, which I think is interesting. Still angry at death, still angry at the things that hurt us. As he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. I love that she's the pragmatist in it. That would be, that is stinky. Um, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, I love this, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth, Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Because God calls life out of dead places. So when we look at what Jesus did, he came, he sat, and he wept. He walked with them through the long road um, to the joy. And then he called life out of dead places. Throughout scripture, Jesus tells us to go and do likewise. So as we look at what he's done, I think we got to start looking at how we behave. We need to show up. We need to weep with people. They don't always need answers. Sometimes they just need someone to weep with them. And then we walk with them. Walking with them can look like bringing a meal. It can look like going actually on a walk or a phone call or just being present. And then, this is the best part, if we do those things over time, we're gonna be there when the celebration happens again. Um, years ago, you guys may remember the fires in Gatlinburg. And I, I still remember being at home because they happened overnight and it was real windy and the storms were coming through and you could see this eerie glow over the mountains because our backyard kind of looks in that direction. And you knew devastation was happening. And it was like the winds were just blowing the fire down the valley and through the spur and taking out businesses and restaurants and hotels and large amounts of the forest and the mountains. And so about four months later, I drove through Gatlinburg and looked up on the hillside near the chimneys. And you could already see the green growth. Um, Because where the devastation happened, growth came out of it. I believe that as we walk with people through their devastation, we then get to be there when we see the growth and we get to rejoice with them. So it's like a cycle. We rejoice, we weep until we can rejoice again. Um, I didn't spend much time on verse 16, but it's about pride. And so I was thinking about this a little bit, like how it ties in. and, And I think I've been talking to you from the perspective of us showing up but sometimes we're the person that needs to be shown up for. And if you're the person that needs to be shown up for, it can be really hard to say yes to help. But I think part of being in a Christian community, part of looking different than our culture, is being going, yeah, I need your help, and I'll take it. Because um, I remember in our season in the last month, I had people going, what can we do, what we can do? And my instinct is like, nothing, we're good, we got it covered. But to tell you the truth, I didn't have any of it covered. Um, I I didn't, like, couldn't have the energy to get home and feed my family. And I definitely didn't feel like I was on top of things. Um, But it was really, really hard to say, yes, will you bring me food? Um, Will you uh, just go on a walk with me? Will you get on the phone with me? That's a really hard thing to do. But I think part of living with one another in community is saying, I'm going to say yes. When I'm in the middle of the hardest season of my life and someone says, what can I do? Give them something they can do. Because I'm telling you, those people want to so bad. Um, they want to show up. They want to weep with you. They want to walk with you. And they want to be there in this celebration when it's over. Um, but we got to let them. So um, I'm going to pray for us and invite the band up. And then we're going to have a Selah. And in Selah, I want you to just kind of be reading the verses, spending some time thinking and pondering, but also... Um, where do you need to show up for someone? And maybe even harder, where do you need to let someone show up for you? Lord, I thank you for this morning. You know the season that people in this room are walking through. You know the season I've walked through in my family. And you love us deeply. And you show up. And you weep. And you celebrate. I pray we would look like that that this church would look like your kingdom. And one day it'll all be celebration. But for now, in the world that we live in, I just ask desperately that you would remind us that you are present when it feels like you're far away. And I thank you for the people in this room as they take who you are and how you love them into this world. I pray you'd be with them. In your name we pray, amen.